You are listening to The Book of Firsts, a podcast where we flick back through the pages of our guests' lives to uncover three of their most profound first-time experiences. A memorable first they've had, a first they want to have, and a first they wish they'd never had in the first place. I'm your host, Emma Tyndall, podcaster and producer, and this is The Book of Firsts. Today's guest is someone I've been excited to have on the podcast for a really long time. Not only is she an accomplished coach, podcaster and actress, but also one of the few people I follow who genuinely make me feel better about my life. (laughs) Cece Coleman first graced our screens in 2015 when she landed the role as a waitress on the popular Channel 4 reality show, First Dates. Prior to her acting venture, Cece spent the majority of her 20s like most of us do, a little bit lost, a little bit in love and a lot in a state of limbo. But first dates threw her into the spotlight, and might I just add, no one has ever shone with such integrity and warmth underneath it. Cece's candid honesty and seemingly fearless nature to be unequivocally herself is what makes her such a joy to be around. Her online fitness coaching course has helped hundreds of men and women across the world get into the best mental and physical state of their life. And having spent the best part of the last year in Bali, I couldn't think of anyone more suited to a podcast which covers all things reflection, reminiscing, and remembering that it's really okay to really fuck up on occasion. In Cece's own gloriously reassuring words, just imagine how boring life would be if you had it all figured out. Cece Coleman, welcome to the Book of Firsts. Wow, what an introduction. Fuck. Wow. And also, do you know what? You've got all your facts right. Usually someone says something, I'm like, no, that was wrong. Well done. (laughs) You've done your research. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. But it's so funny because I actually feel like I know you because obviously I worked on the dating show, which was your podcast with Pete, Pete Wicks. Yeah. And like my really good friend George was producing it. I was assistant producing. So I honestly feel like I do know you, even though we've never actually met which is mad so yeah stalker central (laughs) I love it oh well thank you you I I like all I like everything you've said I agree (laughs) (laughs) I agree I'm amazing (laughs) (laughs) so this is obviously the book of firsts and I mean what I said in my introduction about like wanting to have you on because I do feel like especially in the last year you know you've come out of your shell in a way that is really profound and exciting and I feel like you are genuinely exactly as you are which is why I probably find it easy to get on with you and I found a lot of the similarities between us when you were sending me over your first as well um Mm -hmm. so I yeah I really relate to you which is is why I'm excited for this but um we always kick this podcast off with the memorable first experience that you'll bring to the table um and for you this was moving to New York City 10 years ago so tell us a little bit about that so I'm going to kind of give a bit of context to it. So basically, when I was in my teens, um, I didn't sit any of my exams. So I didn't do my GCSEs. I just, with me in school, we did not get on. We weren't friends. So I came out of school and went to, uh, I tried a performing arts course for three years. And same thing, didn't want to sit the exam. So I spent three years doing the training, but didn't actually pass. So I then 
created a CV that said that I had 10 A stars and I was <gasps> fucking amazing and blah, blah, blah. And walked straight into a bank and said, basically, give me a job. Like, I'm, I can do this, whatever it is. Don't even know what the job is, but I can do whatever you need me to do. Back then, I don't know where my balls came from, but they were... <laughs> They, I don't honestly, I wish I had the same size bollocks now, but I honestly don't. But yeah, anyway, so I got this job somehow, lying through my teeth, um, started off as a cashier, worked my way up. And then I wanted more. So I always have this thing Well, I did have this thing in my 20s where I was like, right, what's next? What can I do? What can I do to top what I've just done? Mm. always had this want and need to do acting and I'd done obviously done the course hadn't passed the exams but I I just wanted to experience life in a different way and in a different city and kind of do something that I never thought would be achievable we grew up in a family with not much money so everything was always well can we afford this and it was Mm. always no so suddenly and it literally happened overnight well I say overnight I woke up in the morning and I was like I want to move to New York I just, I just, just want to move to New York. So I was in a long-term relationship at this point. Um, I'd gone in straight into work, hadn't told anyone, gone into work and said, I would, um, I'm leaving, I'm moving to New York. And they were like, right, okay. Um, How old were you at this point? 23. 23, okay. 23. So I'd gone, then gone home, told my boyfriend at the time, we were in a long-term relationship, um, told my dad, you know, just, just announced it and then went to New York for three months. Completely fell in love with New York. Um, it was a beautiful place. Dipped my toes in what I could, but it, you, you is quite um, strict over there with the visas. So I, I did my three months, mm. and then came back. Really, really down, thinking that was all my life was going to be was those three months of just incredible amazement. But there was no way I could possibly get back and have what I want. Anyway. Next morning, I woke up again, like, hold on a minute. How can I make this work? Like, you make things work, so let's figure this out. So I went and had a chat with my dad, and I said, look, I've seen this school, and I, I am desperate, desperate to go there. How can we make this work? And he, bless his soul, he basically put his bank statements out on the table, and he said, you go through all my bank statements, whatever is left money-wise – I can put it towards your your fees and because we'd worked out how much it's going to cost we can put it towards that so I'm going through his bank statements and firstly it's quite like you know you're like 23 or 23 years old you're going through your parents like financial status and it's it's a very odd sensation Mm. anyway I'm going through them thinking I clearly must be getting this wrong because this freaking guy is spending more money than he he actually earns. And then I realized, you know, that's what adulting is. You have bills, you have loans, you have mortgages, you have all these things that you have to pay for. And there's me going, I want to move to New York. I, I got really upset. I ran upstairs. He didn't see this at this point. I ran upstairs and burst into tears. I just thought this I can't make this work. I figured out now that actually these, you know, these sporadic impulsive ideas I have don't always match everyone else's lifestyle. So mm. couldn't make it work. Anyway, my dad comes upstairs, sees me bawling on the floor and I'm like, I don't really want to go. I lied. I want to go back to the bank. <laughs> I lied to you. I'm sorry for lying. And he knows me better than anyone. And he said, look, let's, just, let, you know, where, where there's a will, there's a way. Let's see what we can do. So anyway, nine months later, four jobs in those nine months uh, that I had, I managed to get myself a scholarship to the school and uh, wow. save enough money to have a year's worth of living tight, you know, living on a budget, but still living. 
So then I moved to New York and when I went back the second time, it, that's when I just, I, I was like, this is what true love is. This, I'm in love with the city. Like this is wow. what true love is. I could not be any happier than I am right now. And that feeling continued daily for the whole duration mm. of my, my time at the acting school. And then I came out of school and then you have that reality check again of like, yeah. right, what, you know, I'm in the safe, I was in a safety net. I've actually got to earn money now because all the money's run out. What do I do? So I got a job in production, uh, working on a movie. I was earning $40 a day. Um, and oh that was to God. pay like, I know. <laughs> and I was working like 17, 18 hours a day. Like they were really, really using me. But I felt this like need to prove myself and this constant mm. like, well, you know, you wanted this. So you the sacrifices are you have to work these long hours for fuck all money. So did that for about four months then came out, same thing, broke again. And then I got to this point where I was I was I, I mean, there was nothing in my account. And I was like, my visa's about to run out. I can't work on the visa I have because it's a visa that says you have to basically act um, or do nothing what the fuck do I do? But I haven't even got enough money for a flight home. So I don't really know what to do. Gone to this, I've gone to the shop to buy a uh, blazer because I had a job interview and my car declined. And I mean, I was adamant that it wasn't that I haven't got any money. It was just that it's their problem. You know, I'm like, no, no, it's, it's your problem. You know, it's, it's a British car. That's why being a right mm. arsehole. And it was all to do with me not having any money. So yeah. I I wasn't very good at that point at asking for, um, for help. So I eventually plucked up the courage to email my gran who lives in South Africa and basically said to her um and these these are my words when um when you pass away and you know you obviously you have a will I I said I know it's gonna come across as funny but is there like is there any money for me because I'm broke and if there is can you know can you basically give me the money that you're gonna give me when you're right when you die and she came back and said, you know, wow, you must be pretty desperate to be asking me that. Um, but there's 1,500 oh pounds for you. In dollars, it's like $2,000. And I was like, I'm rich, $2,000. I can pay rent for like a day, you know. So I got to bless her. You know, three days later, she gives me this money for my, well, the, 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 for the will, um, from the will, but it hasn't happened yet. And off I went, you know, for another three months, I was okay. And it just continued like this. I mean, I was living this like up, down, up, down, up, down life. Um, but I made it work and then I stayed for another two years. So I did three years in total. <laughs> it's unreal. Like, I just think that you have, as you said, the biggest balls ever to be able to go and do that, honestly. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a matter of first for so many reasons, right? Like the first time away from home for that length period, but also like first time being broke, first time nearly being homeless, first time, you know, so much. And yet you still had this infatuation with the city. And Mm. I think that that is really prevalent and a feeling that you only get when you do move somewhere completely new, you know? I think it's, yeah, a feeling you get when you move, but also a feeling you only get when you are fully living your passion, when you're Mm. living out your passion. And obviously that's not, maybe that's not sustainable because, you know, if we were all doing the things that, oh, I, you know, I want to be a a pilot. Well, you kind of got to learn how to be one. You know, there's, we couldn't, couldn't all live that way, but you can do little Mm. things every day to make up for that or weekly. Like, you know, my thing is I love acting, haven't acted for 10 years. God, even longer than that since I got back from that school. But 
going to a class for 30 minutes on a Monday night mm. with, with some strangers might just be enough to exercise my passion. I can relate to it so much as well, like living paycheck to paycheck, but still loving your life. Like I had last week, $40 to my name. So I've just moved to Canada as well. Right. And, oh my God, you're um, in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But that's why when you sent it, I was like, yes, I relate to this so much. Um, oh, oh, wow. But so like what you said about loving and just being, I think it's a slight infatuation. And also what I find is here, I feel like I'm able to ask for things. Mm-hmm. that I couldn't ask for at home or speak to yeah. strangers or things just happen here. Like I've managed to land jobs, which I never thought that I could get and speak to people mm-hmm. who, and, and I'm just like, how is this happening? And I'm like, and it's because you're putting yourself out there. Like back home, you're in your safety net and you're in your blanket. Yeah. And it's like, I've got my friends, I've got my job, I've got my house. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's it. And here you just, because you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone because there's nothing else to do. I think right? we- briefly touched on it before before we started recording is that it's it's what you do when you're in a state state of desperation like Mm -hmm. it's mad how you know when we live a luxury lifestyle where things are quite easy and you know just pacing through something happens and you're like well I'll just just buy another one like my phone broke just get another one like but when you have no fucking money it's mad how also creative you can get. You're like, well, mm-hmm. hold on a minute. I can stick my phone back together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we think we come up with all these ideas that were never there. And, and that's why I think it's sometimes good to get to a point where you're in a like a dilemma and a serious one because it makes you, it gives you a boost of confidence. I mean, you've traveled quite a lot in 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 your like sort of, life I guess I was looking yeah. for a word and I was like no I'm not, the word is life um, no, well, like, you've, life, traveled, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've traveled a lot right but I'm curious as to whether anyone's ever asked you or, or said to you like why are you running away from your problems because I got that a couple of times it's like what what are you running yeah. away from um how do you respond to people when they say that really interesting you say that because I went on a date on Saturday and I chose to say those words to him about myself so mm-hmm. what I'd realized is I was I said to him you know I don't want people to think that I'm running away I'm a 36 year old woman going on holidays or traveling abroad always working but in my head I've heard other people I would look at someone else and think oh she's off again what's she, you know what's she, what's she running, running away from, from? Mm-hmm. and he was like from a man's point of view I don't think that he's like I'm telling you now I might mean, just be one person he said but I'm telling you I don't think that and I really like went away from that date thinking if that's the only thing I've taken from it fucking hell that was amazing because mm-hmm. I it, you realize how much you take on other people's opinions I don't feel like that my core doesn't feel like that you know if I have a choice to work in London and in the cold and then a choice to work on a beach still with my laptop I think I'm going to choose the beach it doesn't mean anything but because you you know what society says and especially women in their Mm mid-30s it's like well oh she's oh she's still single what's wrong with her um oh she's away again you know no one thinks you're working abroad they just think you're holidaying which Mm. I might be but yeah. it's okay, you know, yeah, if you've got yeah. money to do it, fucking do it. I think like yeah. bringing up the gender roles as well, especially what you were just saying about, you know, being a woman in your mid-30s. Like, I think it's because by that age, you're expected to have run away and like done all of your traveling shit and whatever. But yeah. like, it's not, I actually think that now this is becoming more of a lifestyle. Like more people are actually doing what you do. So, so. I don't think anyone looks at like your, like when you started working, like say the, the general person, you know, you go to school, then you go to university and you come out and you start working when you're 21, 22. 
I, I had my first job when I was 12. Oh, 11, in fact, I did a, a paper round and then I started working in the hairdressers at 12. Mm-hmm. So I've like worked for a very long time. And I mean, you know, I was illegally working, getting paid cash in hand and doing full days because I just didn't want to be at school. So I think my way round is, you know, there's no time scale on when you should go traveling or you mm-hmm. should get this stuff out of your system because actually everyone's story is completely different before we move on to the first i want to have i just have to ask you those massive bollocks that you had to lie about your grades on your cv i'm a just like in awe of that because i think why didn't why didn't i think that like why do we all try so hard that is so funny but do you think that those bollocks have Mm -hmm. grown since that moment or if they fluctuated or like where are they at now (laughs) <laughs> so where are the balls at <laughs> I, well my immediate response is I miss my balls I really miss them because I was a cocky little motherfucker at that age I had an ego that wouldn't even step through my front door like I was I was very cocky and very proud and very I was basically trying to prove myself to people I felt silly studying performing arts so I was like right well I'll go and get a job in a fucking bank then and prove that you don't need grades to get into or to have the job so I was always trying to prove to other people. And I think that's what it was about. It was, it was proving something to myself, but equally to other people. And what's changed from that is now I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if I, you know, I don't want to prove myself to anyone because there's no one to prove myself to as long as I, and this has taken fucking years to get there. Trust me, like the Bali trip I had, which I was going to bring up as my traveling one, that has allowed me to really see that you no one gives a shit and anyone's judgment and I mean the word judgment is just their own insecurities it doesn't make them a bad person I judge people all the fucking time I'm like well, I can look at that and it's only because I'm like well because really I want a piece of that it, yeah. just, we just naturally do it so mm-hmm. back to the bollocks um I I miss them and they could they could really you know they would they'd come into they, they would serve me well in so many situations so many situations but also you have to grow up a little bit, you know, and it's not, mm. I can't do things out of an egotistical um, mindset. I want to do things because I'm being kind and nice. And, mm. um, you know, sometimes having your balls so big doesn't, it, you know, can affect other people and it, it doesn't feel good for them. So now we are moving on to the first experience that you want to have. So this is something that you've never experienced before, but want to have for the first time. And when you sent this to me, it actually made me really sad because Aww. I because I just feel like it's it's I think it's what everybody wants to experience, right? And it saddens me that you feel like you haven't had it yet because you're such an mm. amazing person. But your Aww. your first that you want to have is to feel content love with no caveats and trust yeah Um, tell me where that comes from I I love love right and I you know what whatever that is and it means something different to come to everybody and I have experienced I had a five-year relationship in my 20s who I think that guy taught me what love was like he was the most incredible human I've ever met in my life and I always have to like swallow when I talk about him because I because it will make me it will make me cry but yeah he, I don't oh. think he realizes the impact he he has had on my life and unfortunately we, we don't talk anymore and it's not because there was um uh, anything other than love between us but he's moved on and and it just you know it didn't work out but he yeah even with him I I still 
didn't I I never experienced what love would feel like where I I trusted him and and now upon reflection fuck me I you know I would have given him my heart and said can you just hold it for a couple of seconds for me like I really really did but I had so much baggage and so much um pain from the past that I it it overshadowed that love between us Mm. and as much as I've done the work and I'm doing the work and it's a constant journey and, and I love learning and growing and, you know, and I do notice changes as I've got older and changes with different men. I still have this like thing of like, yeah, but what if you leave or are you going to abandon me or can I really trust you? And I don't think I've allowed anyone in like I well yeah definitely haven't I won't say his name I so badly want to but I'm not gonna but he was the bar and no one sort of reached the bar since him and Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's because I just haven't met anyone as fucking great as he was or because I have also blocked some of it because I'm just protecting Mm -hmm. myself continuously so probably probably a bit of both it would just I would just love to experience love without fear yeah, love without fear. Oh, but I don't think that exists. Like I don't crush me. No, no. <laughs> but I think that's the beauty of it. Like that's why it's such a raw emotion. Mm-hmm. Like, so, in my experience, like for the last two years, I haven't been looking for a relationship, and mm-hmm. now I'm feeling ready to again. Mm-hmm. I get this crushing fear inside of me. It's like I'm not ready to be. Mm. like I'm not ready for it again I don't I don't want to let myself feel that again you know we all learn from experiences right we know what it's like mm-hmm. to lose yeah. someone and to be in pain and and, and I don't mm-hmm. think there is any other feeling like it yeah because when you've lost in love it's like love is love is great but also I associate love with pain so then yeah. you're like well why would I fucking yeah. do that again that would make me a mad person yeah but <sighs> it's a it's a real tough one and I'm I'm so good at talking from a perspective of a single woman who Mm. has done lots of work and traveled and blah, blah, blah. But as soon as I get into a relationship, I'm fucking pathetic. It goes out the window. (laughs) I'm like, well. You talk the talk and it's gone. Exactly. That thing I shared on Instagram, that quote, fuck that. I I (laughs) do not think that way. I am a mess. (laughs) In the context of content love, do you feel like you have that within yourself? Because saying that you've never, like the first time you experienced content, mm. love and trust, do you love and trust yourself? Yes, I love, do, I do, I love and trust myself. And I do, I haven't lost hope. I still mm. feel like, why would everyone fucking say, you know, when you meet the right person, it will all fall into place. Why would everyone say that if it's not true? Like, mm. you know, and I'm so I'm hearing that from people that have been through stuff and, and people that haven't. So surely, <laughs> surely that it must feel there must be this like pot of gold at the end of the, at the rainbow. I get very excited about knowing that I'm going to find my best friend and we're just going to fucking take on the world and mm. have this amazingness. And I feel so grateful to myself for giving and giving myself the time to get to the point that I'm able to do that, you know, I think I'm, think I'm on the right path. I think I'm ready. No, it's Aww. interesting you say that because we had Paul Brunson, you know him, you've interviewed him. Before. Oh, fuck me. Like, what, what a legend, personally. Stop it, Paul. He said something which was quite 
profound to me, which was that you are stronger when you're in a relationship and society is built around the fact that when you put two people together, like you, he was like, life is better. I'm just going to spell it out. Life is better. And obviously him saying that to me, like a single woman, I was like, great. Thanks, Paul. Yeah. That makes me feel really good. But he's like, no, genuinely, like when you find that connection with someone, you sleep better, your sex drive is better. Your finances are better because you've got two people, like Mm -hmm. your holidays are better because you can do things to get like, everything is better. And I think while it's great to remember that it's also amazing to know that you another thing he taught me is that the only person who has the power to break you is you Mm -hmm. they are an addition to your life they're a great addition um but we all seek connection don't we i see in the other day i love that i i mean got everything he said even if he said something that i didn't agree with i'd be like well paul said it i fucking i'm there and (laughs) it is interesting you say that i had a palm reading when i was in bali and she said to me you are going to fly when you find your partner and I already knew this anyway because there's some projects that I want to do but I don't feel I can do I can take on those projects yet until I'm in a relationship because Mm. you need to come home to someone that's going to say baby did a really good fucking job and don't worry what everyone else says because even if you know it anyway that hug I can't hug myself like a man can hug me I cannot do that you know, I have fucking tried and I am, it doesn't you know, work you know, and it doesn't and you know that that for me is like hugs are a big thing for me and and just mm. having knowing that you can have that when you you fucked up like coming home to someone that's just gonna just say look it doesn't matter anyway and I think that that it sort of it goes in line with what Paul said. You know, you, you are stronger together because I would feel stronger taking on these projects with a partner. That's where I find the balance really difficult because, like, when you say stuff like that, I'm like, no, I, I want to say to you, like, go and do the projects, go and do the projects. But I 100% know where you're coming from. Mm. Where it's like sometimes you do just want that person to be there at the end of the day. There's a, there's a small part of me, and I guess it's a little fear. And this is also the, the conversation I have with the, the guy that I went on a date with on Saturday. If I take on the world, how the, how am I ever going to allow someone that space? Like, you know, when you're so good, you're like, fuck me. Someone's going to have to be another level of amazing to even enter my space. And yeah. I, I'm good, but I don't want to be that good that I don't want someone else. Yeah. And I, I've said this, this guy, like I've got my, my life in a really good place now where I absolutely love it, but I don't want to love it too much where... I don't need anyone because everyone needs to be, you know, a guy needs to know where he slots in. He's, mm-hmm. you know, if I've got everything sorted, my shit's together. How, how does it make him feel good? He's going to be like, Oh, uh, well, she's got that. She's got that. She's got that. And I guess this is something, and I don't see myself this way, but like I hear other women saying, you know, independent, strong women who have, you know, high flyers or whatever, men struggle with that because they don't know where to sit themselves in their lives. But is that their think- problem? maybe but I'm also aware of it I just Mm. I think there are like the projects I've got in my mind they they need support of a a partner for sure Mm. I think that's really interesting again I could be chatting a load of shit right now I could be saying this (laughs) because I'm single and when I'm in a relationship I'm like I should have fucking done it before yeah I'm just popping a quick note in here as I'm currently sat in the cosy and comfortable home of this season's sponsors, First and Last Coffee. 
this glorious cafe was ironically and I'm not just saying this because it's on brand with the podcast but it was the first coffee shop I ever set foot in when I moved to Toronto and my god did it set the bar high the coffee honestly tastes amazing the 60s vintage style interior is super quirky and fun and it takes every ounce of self-control I possess not to pick up one of their delicious breakfast sandwiches every morning on my way to work If you're around the Annex neighbourhood, then you absolutely need to check them out. Pop in for a coffee, browse the vintage clothes rail, or soak up the sun like I'm doing right now in their little courtyard area. Huge thank you to First and Last again for sponsoring the show. Speaking of, let's get back to it. The first experience you wish you'd never had, um, another one which I just think is, I'm actually really grateful for you bringing this up because it's not easy to talk about, but it's also something that... I know a lot of people have experienced. Um, mm-hmm. So Cece, what is the first experience that you wish you'd never had? I wish I'd never been cheated on. I've always had this kind of question in my head. Is it better to have never experienced um, loss and pain because then you can go into a relationship and you can be completely green and naive and oblivious and just go through it and love fully and your heart's topped up and open it's not it's all pumping red and beautiful like is it better to go in like that or or to have that experience or is it better to have understood what pain feels like because then you will then hopefully hopefully the love will feel even better because you've experienced Mm. the pain but then also you've got to go through all that shit first which is like this this you know being a little bit skeptical being a bit jaded being a bit like wary of all it is all those the all those insecurities that come up first help me answer me it's so- <laughs> i've got i've got a saying for you as well i read it today but if you if you want to read it down to you yeah please because don't throw that on me because i have no okay. answers <laughs> okay well we can discuss so interestingly um it's like my phone's fucking listening to me and i haven't had i hadn't said this out loud this came up on face on instagram today it said if you've never tasted a bad apple, you wouldn't appreciate a good apple. If you were never sad, you wouldn't know how it feels to be happy. If you had mm-hmm. never had negative thoughts, you wouldn't have learned the power of positive thinking. You have, you have to experience life to understand life. <sighs> yeah. So then yeah. that made me think as like, as much as I don't, I wish I'd never been cheated on. I still fucking don't because fuck him. But mm. I then this the love I had with my five year boyfriend. Oh my god, it was so good because yeah. it was pure and it was real. And I I knew I you know I, I could see the extreme of what horrible and and mm-hmm. what great is. Okay, interesting because so I was also in a long term relationship six years, but previous to that I'd had other pretty good relationships. And I still look back on the six year one and was like, that was amazing. That was sort of speak about it in the same way that you would, I guess, like what an experience, what a guy, like what a great time, basically. Yeah. Having never been cheesed on previously to that. So I understand what you're saying a hundred percent. And I think that there's definitely a place for it. And that quote is true. Like, how would you know when something's good if you hadn't experienced when something's really bad? Mm. But I think when it comes to love, it's like if something is really great, I think in our, in our intrinsic gut knows that it is. Mm. I would like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. saying that, like 
also when anything ends it's painful I mean being cheated on is a completely different kind of pain Mm. to when something ends out of amicability or whatever but it goes back to what you were saying about love and pain and whether the two can be can coexist yeah whether there's always pain with love Oh, it's such an interesting one, isn't it? I was hoping I would, because I'm always very much, I don't regret anything, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But I still think I would have had, if I hadn't had that first experience, and it, it was my first boyfriend, if I hadn't had that first experience of, it was pretty horrific. It, it was done in the worst way um, possible. And I think if I hadn't had that, I would have had a better understanding of what real love is. So I wouldn't have had shit (laughs) because, you know, it it took a while to upgrade. And I think it was because I was like, well, that's what I thought love was because that was my first experience. Mm -hmm. So then, of course, everything else that's coming along, all this pain is what I'm used to anyway. So Mm. keep bringing them in, keep bringing in the trash because (laughs) that's all I knew. And, you know, and, and every time you get hurt, it hurts even more. So then it's not like you become accustomed to it. So maybe without that experience, I would have just experienced love differently. Equally, maybe I would have got fallen in love too quickly, easily, and and maybe married and had children, which I'm kind of, I've done it the other way around. And yeah, I'm quite glad the way I've lived my life. It's a bloody hard one, isn't it? It's hypotheticals though, right? And I think, right. So I'm like a low-key Harry Potter nerd and Albus Dumbledore said this quote. <laughs> I mean, J.K. Rowling said it, obviously, but Albus Dumbledore <laughs> says in the book. Um, it's like, we we accept the love we think we deserve. And I think oh. that goes on to what you were saying about when you experience something like that, which is really traumatic. And especially when you're young and it's your first relationship, that shit sticks, right? Mm. Like that stays with you, even if it's in the back of your head, even if it's when you're dating somebody new and you don't trust them maybe in the same way that you would if you hadn't been cheated on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm putting words into- Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're putting on, yeah. As much as you say, as a first, you know, the first time to be cheated on, any time to be cheated on, it's awful. And of course it's going to impact the rest of your relationships. I think it, it did for a long time. And then, you know, those little things that when someone doesn't text you back and you think, well, what are you doing? You're cheating on me. Like you're with another woman. Mm. Or what, what, you know? And my mind would, that's my first thought. Whereas say a friend that hasn't experienced that, it's like, oh, he's probably just busy. And that's kind of what I meant about experiencing love. My second one about experiencing love with no caveats, because imagine just saying like, oh, he's just busy. Like I do with my friends. Oh, she's not answering. Don't even give it a second thought. I'm just, I'll just crack on do what I'm doing. But with a partner, it's like, oh, hold on a minute. I just need to make sure that, where, you know, how, how do I feel about this situation? Mm. And it's, it's almost like I have, I've trained my, I have to train myself to react in a better way rather than naturally go, oh, he's just busy. So I'd love to get to the point where I don't have to go through the process of like, you're okay, let's rationalize it. Everything's fine. Okay, move on. There is something about age that also helps this whole process. And I know it sounds really patronizing because I fucking hated it when I was like 18 and like someone who was 23 would be like, you know, babe, it's just age. I think, oh, fuck off. But now I'm five years. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And now I'm, but it like once I hit 30, something changed. And then each year I've just become more and more relaxed. And the people that come into my life, they've upgraded. Like, I'm like, God, everyone's just so nice, like, and kind. And this is what a kind human or how a kind human would react. And my relationships Mm. have got better and better and better. And each one has been, 
I've learned something from each relationship since where I've gone, okay, that didn't work, but now I understand why. And thank mm-hmm. you for the lesson. And it's it's more of a kind of an understanding rather than a <laughs> how I yeah. would have felt maybe about the ex. I feel like the next one's gonna be the fucking one. Just yes. feed it in my bones. <laughs> It's time to play quick fire first. So let's go. Basically, I'm going to ask you about a time when, and then you Mm -hmm. have to answer with the first memory or feeling or thing that pops into your head. Okay. So our first one is a time when you felt really great in your own skin. My whole experience of Bali. Why? You could turn up and be whoever you wanted to be in every single day. I could turn up with a shaved head. I could turn up with you know, one half my face done with makeup and the other not. And no one would even blink. They'd just just be like, oh, it's just Cece. It's just the way she decided to turn up today. No one judged anyone. And you can imagine five months of that. You're like, fuck. Also, I think to do with, I'd put on a lot of weight and I didn't even realize it. I came home, it's like, whoa, hello, belly. Where the fuck did you come from? <laughs> and usually that would freak me out because I train and I'm like, it's my job. And it would just, it would mm. just usually get to me. And I remember, I remember standing, I got home on day one and, and put, took a picture of myself and I was cracking up in the mirror, just laughing at myself, like, oh my God, I'm so tanned and I'm so fat. Like, <laughs> and I wasn't fat like that was just in obviously my version of it but I just can't believe it. I was like I can't believe I've done this this is so funny because I feel so good and I just I oh. had some experience of drinking and eating all the foods and and just not giving a shit and that for me was like wow I must feel really really good inside my skin for me to the way that I had you know the, the way I looked and by all means, I was not fat. I just mm. put on more weight than I put on in a very long time. Yeah. Do you know what's incredible about that is that the fact that you can feel so good and it has nothing to do with aesthetics yes. or, or how or how people like, because even though, and the fact that you were aware of that as well, I just think that's, that's really, that's really cool. That's yeah, cool. it was, it was, and I've, I've kept that feeling as well. I was, I was sort of fearful that it might run out. I was like, oh no, mm-hmm. I feel so good. I need a top up. Like, what can I do? You know, and you're like, where's the vitamin D? I need some sun. <laughs> uh, but I, it's just stayed like it, it, cause it was an experience. It wasn't a holiday. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was like, you're living this way. You're living the way that the, the Balinese live. And, and that is just free and happy without judgment. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Okay. Our final one is a time you felt incredibly scared. New York was um, the whole experience was quite scary. Uh, there were definitely some moments where I still look back and think, God, do you know what? Even when you ask that question, I've now got so many things going around in my head. There, there were so many. So when I first got to New York, this is when I moved there to live. I was looking for a place to stay. And uh, because I was on this quite a tight budget, I um, was looking in areas that were probably not the best place to be in. For anyone that knows New York, it, it, there's a place called Washington Heights, which is like the fucking hood. It is, it, it's a very interesting place. And if anyone knows New York, they'll know what I mean. So I was looking at places like that. I'd gone to... Um, a place in Brooklyn, which I basically got off the train. And I just had this feeling over me that 
something wasn't right. And I, but I didn't know what it was. I was just like, come on, like I'm trying to sort of pick myself up. And I'd, I'd walked across this street and this car had sort of pulled up really slowly in front of me. And New York feels like the movies anyway. Everything feels like a movie. So I was like, I feel like, you know, the, the, there's going to be like a gunfight in a minute, but I've, I've gone to like some like movie in my head and, and it's probably just nothing at all. Anyway, across the road and I didn't want to walk in front of the car, but they sort of slowed down for me to walk in front. And I was like, oh, I want to go behind. Like, I don't, I feel like you're going to run me over. I just, I just felt really uncomfortable. Anyway, I thought like, mm. walked really fast. Thank you. Off I go. And tried to find this, this room that I was viewing and I'd obviously gone the wrong way. So I turned back and when I'd gone past the road, the, the same street, there was then glass in the road, like the window had been smashed. But this car was in the middle of the road. It's like turning up to a junction to either go left or right. So something had gone down in this time, like the 10 minutes that I'd walked up the road, gone the, the wrong way and come back. So already like red flag. I'm like, this might not be an area that I should be looking to live in, but you know, I'm broke. So let's keep going. So I then gone down this, uh, another road that also felt really dodgy. And this guy comes up to me and I think because of seeing the window or I assumed a window being smashed, I I was a bit jumpy anyway. So I was sort of like just looking at him, like, what are you, what are you doing? He's like, I'm like, excuse me, miss, do you mind if I, in his little American accent, do, like just ask you a question? And I'm just thinking, oh, fuck off. Like, not today, mate. Not yeah, today. No. <laughs> and I'm looking at him like I, I could, I could do a lot of damage right now. And he's, he's gone. I just like, I don't mean to like, you know, and I, I just, I literally said, get your words out. And he was like, you, you look a little bit lost. And I'm thinking, okay. He's like, you look a little bit lost. And he's like, please don't take offense to this, but this doesn't look like the kind of area that you should be in. And I'm sort of looking and thinking, okay, I, I like still like holding my phone really close thinking, what's he going to do? Like, I don't know what's going to go on here. And he's like, look, this is my, he got his lanyard out. He's like, this is my lanyard. He's like, I work in the area. He basically worked for like the equivalent of British gas. And he was like, you know, you can see that this is my like, picture ID. I'm just doing some gas checks in the area. Like, do, are you okay? Like, can I help you? Like, and I, I was like, uh, when I get scared, like I end up sort of like, I get my, my words come out all really wrong. So I was like, I'm trying to find this house. And, and I don't know how. And I was really like stabby with my words. I was sort of like shouting at him, but I didn't mean to. It's just coming out that way. And he was like, okay, okay. Like trying to like sort of calm me down. He's like, can I... <laughs> Do you mind if I see your phone and I'll, I'll I might be able to help you out? Anyway, I show him where this place is and he's he directs me and he's like, I'm just I'm just going to be honest here, like that is not the kind of place that you want to be living in. Trust me, um, go and do what you need to do. He said, and and don't take offense to this either, but I'm going to wait outside for you. My car's here again. This is my lanyard. I'm I'm going to wait outside oh just gosh. to make sure you're okay. There's nothing else in it, um, but I, I will be here. And I was like, I don't know if I love you or hate you. Like, I don't know yeah. what to do. Like, I can't work out if I'm scared or like if you're really nice. Or anyway, I go and view this room, and the the woman doesn't knock on the door, and it's all it just everything. You know, when something's wrong, everything goes wrong. It's just like one thing yeah. after another. Get into the space. It's tiny. It's awful. There's like shit coming off the ceiling. There's mold everywhere. It was disgusting. I was so polite back then. Not anymore. I was like, oh, it's really lovely. I just need some time to think about it. Uh, anyway, I leave the place and bless him. That guy's like stood up against his car and he, he he comes over and he said, you know, was it all right? And I said, like, no, it wasn't. And he said, can I just ask you, where are you trying to get to now? And I said, I'm fine. Like, I'm just, I'm just going to go back to the train, like this, the, tube, the train station, the subway. I'm, I'll be fine. And he said, again, like, do you mind if I give you a lift? Like, look, I promise you there's nothing in it. You can see where I work. Like, 
can I give you a lift back to the, the station? And at that point, I think I got so scared that I felt more scared being in the street of this place than the, than the idea of getting in a car with a complete fucking stranger. Like, what do our parents teach us when we were a kid? Like, don't yeah, get in the car. Don't, get in the don't car talk strangers. to strangers. Definitely don't get in the fucking car with them. But for some reason, I that the idea of that felt more safe than where I was. So I just got in his car and he he drove me to the train station. And in my head, I'm thinking, you know, he's going to ask my fucking phone number. Like, I already can see where the way this is going. And, and you know, all my body language is crossed. My arms crossed, legs crossed. Everything's just like, don't fucking look at me, touch me, like breathe near me, nothing. And and then I got out the car and he just said, look, look I wish you well on your journey. And I hope you find a really nice oh. place to live and um, all the best. And off he went, the angel. And no, I didn't take the room. But oh. that was a moment that I, <laughs> things don't scare me much in life. But for some reason, that re- that that situation shook me. And I, I think it was the energy. It was mm. nothing really that happened. It was just there was a, an eerie feeling. It's like watching a scary movie when you're like, something is going to go fucking wrong here. Yeah. And that was the whole feeling I had in this place in Brooklyn mm. I didn't it reminds there. me of like yeah when you're kind of walking home and you feel like someone's watching you or you feel like you're being yes. followed and you know you know when it's happening even if you can't yes. see it oh yeah it's horrible god I'm really glad that the story ended like that because I was expecting some horrible horrible twist but that's oh actually thank god no nice I know bless him oh. whoever he is like whoever you are like yeah he's, he's got good karma coming to him Oh, that's so sweet. Reassuring there are good people in the world, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Susie, thank you so, so much. Like, I don't think oh, you understand pleasure. how good at this you are just talking. And I feel lighter than oh, I have done in ages. Thank you. Well, I think it what it is we're all normal. That's at the end of the day, you know, we're yeah. all very, very we're normal people. No, things happen to us and I don't think people always talk about it. So it's sometimes nice to hear like, oh shit, me too. Like Mm. it's really, really nice. And the more relaxed I am in my own skin, the more I can share. And then that means the more I can hear that everyone feels the same. And so it's, it's it's nice to be able to talk about it. 